Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Samantha talking about Steps 8 and 9. Hi everyone, my name's Samantha, alcoholic. Hi Samantha. got my big book because uh, it'll help me be honest. Um, it's been a wonderful weekend for me and I really got a lot out of that last session, to be honest. Um, I got a lot out of Carol in saying that, you know, that personality she's got, that happy personality. Um, I've tried to be that quiet, peaceful person that's never worked. Um, so it was really good to hear her say that, you know, that's, that's a good character defect that I've got sometimes, that I am, you know, the happy, crazy Sam. And most people know me know that that's the way I am and to change that might not be the way God wants me to be. But look, step eight and nine. Um, you know, I've been in the fellowship now since the 3rd of April 2005 and I haven't had a drink, but I've certainly been crazy and um, I've had to go through this big book on four separate occasions. Um, my first attempt at the steps with my first sponsor who's here today, she's from Perth, um, I had uh, a big list of names of people that I've hurt um, and I did make amends to a lot of people and at that time that's as, wake, as awake as I was at that time, the list of harms that I'd made at that time was enough to keep me sober. Uh, there was a lot of employers on there. There's a lot of employers that I'd uh, told them to go and get you know whatted and uh, resigned and yeah, I'd hurt a lot of people. Um, but unfortunately my ego rebuilt and I end up back in Melbourne um, and I had to go through these steps again because we've heard it this weekend, you know, those bedevilments on page 52. You know, was I having trouble with emotional relationships? Was I feeling depressed and anxious and fearful and all those things? Having trouble with financial insecurity? Because of all those things, left untreated, I hurt people. It's what I do. And uh, the last, last two times I've been through the steps, I really got to see the truth in step one, that, you know, how unmanageable I really am. And... Uh, Am I willing to go to any lengths to have recovery over this alcoholism? And one of the things I have to do is make amends. And a couple of years ago, I, I hurt um, someone who people that know me from, and certainly my first sponsor will know, that when I came into AA, I was so resentful at my ex. We looked at my inventory today, there's pages and pages of causes and harms that he'd done to me. And because of my delusion, you know, I always thought that it was okay to hurt him back because what he did to me. And I hurt him a couple of years ago and I didn't think I was hurting him and it was about financial insecurity. It's because he was asking me for child support and that prick never paid me any, you know, and that's how I felt. And it just got worse and worse and worse and I had no defence, I had no power, so I retaliated. And I hurt him, I hurt my son. I hurt his family, he has children, he has a wife, he has people in his family circle that were all trying to help my son at that time. And because of my self-righteous, you know, fear about money and how dare you and all that crap that we just talked about in steps six and seven, 
I hurt someone. So going through the steps again, you know, I was in I was in alcoholic torture, you know, knowing that I could still hurt someone that way. And by the time I got to step uh, step nine, I was willing to make amends to him, to someone who has hurt me so much. And you know, was I willing to do it? No. But by the time I'd looked at my step four and, and I'd shared it, I knew that I had to do it to be free because I don't want to drink and I do not want to be in those bedevilments. So, you know, I hadn't heard from him in a while because he wouldn't take my calls. The last time I spoke to him, he screamed down the phone saying, don't you ever effing ring this house again. I never want to speak to you again. <coughs> so I was doing a lot of prayer. I was listening to a lot of speaker tapes who talk about, you know, this is God's world. This is God's work, not your work, Sam. And you know, I rang him up and I asked him if he'd meet me for a coffee and he said yes. I couldn't believe he even answered the phone and we went to the pancake parlour at Eastland and um, he bought me a Pepsi, a Pepsi Max, two of us, and, uh, you know, we started talking about my son, you know, because he was in a lot of trouble at that time and, you know, I just tried to ease my way into it. I didn't want to sit there and say word for word and... Um, and I just cut to the chase said, look, the reason why I asked you today here is because, you know, of the harm that I caused you. And I, I went, went into what I thought I'd done and, um, and I asked him how he experienced that and it really hurt. I felt it, you know, it was really, really, it was so raw and I hurt him, I hurt his wife, I hurt his three children and more than the worst part of all, I hurt my son. So, you know, he had tears in his eyes and... Um, we had a laugh and, you know, we talked a bit about some other stuff and I walked away and I've had a resentment with that man for probably 19 years, you know, 10 years in recovery, eight years out there and it's gone. We're not, we're not you know, skipping down the street together um, but, you know, when, when my son's involved, we, we, we can communicate with each other now. Um, now, that lady up there, Kylie, uh, she remembers the hate. I had pure hate for that man. I mean, I, I cannot explain to you how much I hated that man. You know, it was the first thing I thought of in the morning and it's the last thing I thought about when I went to bed, how much I hate that prick and what he owes me, you know, for what he did to me. And today I'm free. So that's a big part of my men's. There's a couple of others that I want to talk about. One of them is my dad. It's Father's Day today. When I, took, when I left Melbourne back in 2004, I left here full of hate and resentment and bitterness towards everyone. And I went to Perth, I did a geographical, as far as I could get away from anyone. And look, you know, I ended up in AA 12 months later through a set of circumstances. But when I left Melbourne, I didn't want to be near any employers, I didn't want to be near any friends, I didn't want to be near any exes. I took my son with me because no one else would look after him, basically. You know, that was just the way it was. And, you know, I left my mum, I left my dad, I left my everyone. I left them all behind. And, you know, a couple of years in AA, I started to see that, whew, they're actually all right. I think I'm a little bit screwed up here. I think that um, through doing my resentment sheets and, you know, looking at the harms I've caused, I started to see that these people, my parents, they're just fine. Um... And, you know, over the years I've been able to make different levels of amends with my father. And, uh, you know, when I got into AA, I couldn't even hug him. 
Uh, it was like I was a piece of ice. Um, and we used to do that, you know, that kiss. <laughs> and there was just coldness between us. And um, I resented him so much for... Because he wanted me to be OK as a person, you know. He wanted me to, you know, get superannuation and pay the bills and, you know, look after my son. And, you know, he had really good things he wanted me to do. But I resented him for having anything to say about it. And... Um, so, yeah, over the years, you know, I've got to sit down with my dad and, and make amends, you know, for, for the way I was. And in different ways and at different times, I've done that. And, you know, I see my dad today, and it was through, actually, I'm going to say the word, Al-Anon. Al-Anon taught me to hug my dad and teach me how to say I love you, Dad. When I see my dad today, he grabs me and... It's like this. It's like unbelievable the love I have between me and my father today. My dad actually had a heart attack about five years ago. He's got terminal melanoma cancer. And he was in um, ICU about five years ago. And, you know, I had made my amends to him. And whenever I'd say anything about any of my amends, he'd go, it's all right. You know, we knew you weren't all there. You know, we knew. <laughs> You know, but, you know, a father's love for their daughter, it's just... And well, he was lying in the ICU and, he, and, um, and he, he'd had the big thing down his throat and he couldn't talk, he'd lost his voice and he'd just started talking, he'd just come out of the coma and uh, he wanted to talk to me, I was at work. And he said to me, I love you, for the first time in my life, I would have been what? 40, 40, and my dad just never says that. And I knew at that moment that we're good. You know, we're good. And I was able to sit with him in the, in the, in the ICU and the CCU and be with him and, you know, he was willing to give me anything at that <coughs> stage, you know, because he thought he was going to die. Do you want me to buy you a car? Do you want me to get you insulation in the house, you know, and... Anyway, that's not what this is about, but... Um, and he looked at me and he held my hand and he said, ''Oh, I wish there was a man out there that could look after you,'' you know, and I said, ''Dad, I'm good, I'm happy to be on my own.'' You know, if, you, if you'd ever seen my sex inventory, you'd know why I'm on my own. <laughs> you know? But he just sees them all as bastards, you know, because I've told him that they are. So, you know, my dad today, I'm going over there tonight and... Um, you know, we're good. We're really good. There's a lot of love in my family today. Ten minutes, OK. Um, also, a couple of years ago when I went through my inventory, I, I, I did a very thorough sex inventory, as we just talked about, and um, I've never done it this thoroughly before. And there was a couple of blokes on there from back when I was probably 21, 22 that I'd really hurt. And there was one in particular that I reckon was still haunting me. His name was Lou Luigi. And I was about 21 and he was 31. And I was a chronic alcoholic. And um, I cheated on him with that man I resented for 19 years because uh, I thought that Alistair was a better option. You know, it was better to choose a, a very dysfunctional man than to be with a man that was good to me. But anyway, that that's, has all been very much shown through my, you know, through my inventory. But anyway, Lou, I cheated on him. I lied to him. Um, I did some awful things to him. 
Um, and when I started going out with Alistair, you know, I just flaunted that relationship in his face. It was a disgrace. You know, I, I look back. And one time I was at Chadston and he was going down the, the elevator and my boyfriend Alistair spat on his head. You know, that's how you treat people, isn't it? So anyway, I had a lot of guilt and shame over that over the years. Um, so, you know, a couple of years ago I got to see it in my inventory and uh, I had to make amends, you know. After 21 years, it was even more, I think 22 years I hadn't seen this bloke for. No idea where he was. And... Um, I heard that him and his brother had a, mar uh, a grocery market, fruit and veg market at Waverley Gardens. So I went out there and I walked around the market asking where he is. No one's ever heard of him. Got on Facebook, couldn't find him. And I thought, hmm, I remember he had a sister-in-law that lived in Springvale. So I looked up his surname and I found her name. That's that decision. It's like, am I going to ring her or what am I going to do? got in touch with her, she was all like, what do you want to speak to him about, you know? It's 22 years ago, thinking that I, you know, I've got this baby or this child. Who knows what they were thinking? <laughs> An STD or... Who knows? You know, 22 years ago. Anyway, I said, look, I just would like to speak to him, you know, there's some unfinished business and I didn't want her to know my business, but, you know, if you could give him my number, that would be awesome. I'd love to speak to him. So he rang me about 10 minutes later. <laughs> and uh, he was a bit the same, a bit concerned there was a child or something. <laughs> and uh, he agreed to meet me at a coffee shop. And I was listening to a speaker who said that if they say they're available at a certain time, you'd be available at that time. You can't say, no, I'm not available at that time, sorry. So I took half a day off work and I met him and... Uh, it was incredible, you know, I, I, I got to explain to him, you know, like, you know, I remember when I said to him, you know, I was a little bit crazy at that time and really, you know, yeah, I know, you were completely mental, you know. Um, and I got to say to him, you know, like, my behaviour was disgusting and I, I'm here to tell you that I, I want to try and make that right. I, I just know that I must have tormented you for years, you know, that torment that we leave with people. Anyway, we talked about it and asked him, you know, what his experience of me was and his experience of me really was that I was just a young girl because I was 10 years younger than him who had severe mental grave disorders. Um, and, you know, I didn't know, but he was... He knew who my new boyfriend was and he knew what my new boyfriend was into, you know, and uh, he, was, he was actually following me around a little bit, not in a, in, a, in a scary way, but he knew I'd got myself into a new relationship with someone that was not going to be good. And he'd apparently caught up with my mum and I'm worried about Sam and, you know, she's going down the wrong track, you know. He wasn't as resentful as me as I thought. And, you know, we were good. You know, we, we had a coffee, um, he gave me a hug, he wished me well. You know, we talked about his life and his wife and his new life and he's got two houses and he's got shitloads of money and I'm thinking, ah, oh, that was a mistake. But anyway... <laughs> But, you know, he's a little bit shorter than me, so, you know. Anyway, you know, and I'm not kidding you, I went to Heidelberg that night when Heidelberg had just started and, you know, the big book talks about we walk on the fourth dimension of existence and I thought that was a whole of crap. I felt so free. You know, and I haven't just done that with three people, I've done it with a lot of people, but these ones really impacted my recovery. 
they, you know, I can walk down the street now and bump into these people and, oh, my dad, of course, but, you know, there's been other amends I've had to make. There's quite a few that I still can't make. They won't talk to me. I've got a couple that are overseas. I've tried to get them on LinkedIn. For anyone that doesn't know, it's a Facebook for business. You know, there's some... There's an employer that will not talk to me at all. Um, I've got a couple of friends from years ago that just... They just can't... They just won't. But I'm willing. Um, and what I love... One of the things that I always think about, you know, um, about me, especially with my son, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring through, through his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. You know, how do you have a relationship with someone you have a child with and it's so, ugh, so messed up? Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have the home in turmoil. You know, that ended up being my relationship with my son. You know, I can't sit down with my son today and actually sit there and, and do an official, this is why we're here, this is why we're talking, you know, with my son, he's 19, it needs to be quite gentle, you know, and I try with him to make amends for some of the things I've done to him. For example, three months sober, I had that kid on the couch screaming at him like a banshee. If family services had come around the corner, I would have been arrested. That kid was just terrified of me. Pushed me to the steps, though, but I hurt him, and I've hurt him over the years, you know, and we wonder, I wonder, why he's ended up being a bit not quite right sometimes, you know. He's been disturbed by my behaviour. So, you know, he's out of the home now, but I'm able to sit with him and talk about the way I was and the way I treated him. And, you know, he doesn't know how to accept it because he goes, Mum, but you're my mum. I love you, Mum. You know, you did the best you could. But I know what I did to him. I know and it's going to sit with me for the rest of my life. But, you know, um, my relationship with him today is better than it's ever been. Um, and, you know, it's only been through looking at myself and, you know, I'm a, I'm a very angry, you know, my, my defence when I first came in here was anger. And my little boy, he copped that when I came home from meetings. <laughs> come home from a meeting more angry than I went sometimes, you know, and he copped it. Um, and I thought I had a right to do that. And through infantry, I've seen that no mother has a right to do that to their child. But, you know, today through, you know, doing this stuff, you know, and relying on God and... And, you know, I do, I do take uh, inventory, and I love this bit here as well. It says the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. You know, I can read this book as much as I like, um, and I can intellectualise as much as I like, but if I'm not looking at someone eye to eye and being real with them and being able to make amends, I need to clean up the wreckage of my past or I'm going to bloody drink again or... My other option, because I've had this happen, or just about be locked up in an institution for bipolar or manic depression or insanity. So, you know, I'm still willing to make amends if it's required, if someone crosses my path. Um, but this, for me, has been one of the most amazing experiences by going through this. And uh, for anyone who hasn't done it, get a sponsor who can actually do this stuff. 
the way it's written. Don't let them deter you and say, don't do that amends. Just, you know, if you need to do it, it needs to be done. And I'm so grateful that I've had that chance to be able to, especially with my family. So I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.